0: This is my podcast. Yes, Nothing Comes Easy for Me by Joe McVoy. That's me. And tonight, my guest is my longtime friend, Brandy Posney. How are you, Brandy?
1: I'm so good. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just... it's, a pl-
1: it's a pleasure to be here.
0: And you are, a, you are a very talented young lady. Oh, thank you so much, Joe.
1: I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> i I have known you for several years. Mm -hmm. And you were nice enough a few times to let me co-host when you had an open mic in Culver City. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. At the Spot Cafe?
1: The good old Spot Cafe down on, uh, yeah, Culver City. I ran that mic for three years and uh, would have a different co-host on every week.
0: I remember that. Mm -hmm. I would get off work and drive down there as fast as I could and find a place Mm -hmm. to park the car. Mm-hmm. And you were a very good host.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, well,
0: you're welcome.
1: I, I love doing that show. It was, uh, you know, I think a lot of open mics can be very, um, you know, feel like pulling teeth a little bit. But it was, it was a real joy to
0: get to run that room and and get to know people that way. Yeah, I got I got to know a lot of people there. I really did. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the th- I never will forget this. I it was. A, the day before Thanksgiving on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And you were standing outside and there was nobody there. And you and I walked up and you were like, Joe, they closed it this Wednesday. Oh and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is the- and then you told me of another place to go to.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going anywhere else. I'm I got the night off, but <laughs>
0: And I went in and out, and then came home. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's probably what I did too. That sounds like a perfect uh, Thanksgiving Eve activity, yeah. making room for turkey the next day with a little in and out.
0: <laughs> so you've you've really had a career. I mean, you've done a lot more than host an open mic. I like
1: I like to think so. Even though I'm very proud of my days at the spot. Yes. Tell <laughs> tell you.
0: me what all you've done.
1: Um. Well, uh I have been a touring comedian uh for probably nine nine years now, something close to that. Um I'm on the road about half the year and that is uh that is usually through like I do a lot of independent venues and things like that. And right. it's usually through people that I've met at festivals all over the country that I've um submitted and gotten to and that's kind of where like the infrastructure that I tour kind of came from. Um, I have an album that I put out, uh, for four years ago, five years ago, uh, called opinion cave that I'm very proud of. They're recorded here in Ventura, California. And it's been, um, it's in rotation in Sirius XM, uh, and it uh, debuted at number one on the comedy charts on iTunes. Congratulations. Cool. Thank you. I knew about <laughs> your album. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, i'm very proud of it it's a nice moment in time it uh you know my, my stand-up has changed and, a little bit since then and, but it is like an accurate portrayal of my my stand-up at
0: the time there's a lot of work in putting an album together
1: oh absolutely it's, absolutely it's not
0: just writing a couple of jokes and then going to an open mic and working it out
1: no it's learning to <laughs> it's learning to just be on a stage for i mean my album is about an hour long and it's it's learning to just to do a three minute set is very different from doing a 45 minute to an hour set because the pacing is just very different. Um, it's, you know, you want to get as many jokes as possible in, into like a three to five minute set, but for a longer set, you got to like have ebbs and flows and let the audience like take a break after they've laughed like a big laugh and pull back and then come back at them. And want callbacks worked into the whole thing. And that's not stuff you can really practice at, um, open mics or showcases like you just really need to be on the road to figure out how to do all that kind of
0: stuff where did you tape this at
1: uh i taped it at um uh oh geez what was this called it was a comic book store uh up in ventura uh that i don't believe exists anymore but it was a a great a great little spot uh hypno comics hypno comics is what it was called
0: well you know in the last year and a half there's been so many places go and not the virus and everything. Yeah, I know. And even before that, uh, these little places kind of came and went.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing driving around, uh, (laughs) around LA or probably any city once you've done comedy for any period of time, because you kind of have this like, um, uh, you're going to just if the city starts to feel a little bit like a like a graveyard of uh of former shows and open mics that used to happen
0: yes i do know the feeling
1: yeah we're, oh i used to hang out there on tuesdays oh that's where i used to be on <laughs>
0: wednesday night thursday exactly. night friday night i used to have a list of stuff as long as my arm for
1: exactly
0: each night and there's very little that you can even do now yeah mm-hmm uh And you're also involved in another program with two of our friends.
1: Yes, I do a podcast uh, called Lady to Lady with um, myself, Barbara Gray, and Tess Barker. Right. And uh, that show has been going on for, oh, it'll be nine. It's almost nine years now. It'll be 90, wait, or is it 10 years? I can't remember if it's nine or I think it's 10 years this year, actually. This might be our 10- you guys Tenure started in more. 11? I, th- uh, no, first podcast episode came out in November, 2012. So this is the ninth, this is our ninth year. Okay. I'd have to do some math for a second, but we okay. were a, we were a live show, uh, a monthly live show kind of, um, uh, talk show, uh, at a pl- place called the little modern theater for about a year before we started doing the podcast. That's kind of where I get confused. Cause I'm like, huh? How long's Lady Lady Bit a thing? And our, our talk show was um it was like a monthly kind of goofy uh you know, we'd have a guest, but then we'd have funny segments, and then we had like a character that would we would play with throughout the whole thing and we'd have some talent um come on and sing songs or something like that. Like it was a real uh cabaret type experience. And um it was super fun. And then we started the podcast towards the end of that year because we were like, man, we're really you know we're just like busting our butts every week or every month for this show that you know even if we pack it out, which at that time we weren't at all, we would get fifty people and we're like, well, maybe we start podcasting. it seems easier <laughs> and um yeah. we could reach more people and like work on our banter and we started doing lady to lady in november twenty twelve and it's been like i said like almost almost nine years now, and um. It's been it's been great. It's especially this last year and a half. It's been amazing to have that just as like a touchstone to, to number one, like work, like you know, cre- have like as a creative outlet during the pandemic, but then also
0: just um,
1: you know have something have something creative
0: on the schedule, right? <laughs> and then you guys took that on the road, didn't you?
1: Yeah, we've toured Lady to Lady uh, uh, quite a bit. Um, done some Pacific Northwest tours. We've done like a small East Coast tour. We've done. Um, festivals in salt lake city and chicago and richmond virginia and uh hope to take it back out on the road even more next year ideally um we're kind of just waiting to you know for the spring probably to kind of see how things shake out this winter but um it's it's so much fun we we were you know we we were good friends before we started the podcast but now it's like you know we're all tied we've been doing it for this long together it's like they're my sisters
0: (laughs) yeah they would be I mean, yeah, exactly. And I, I, you know, I'm so glad you guys get along.
1: Oh yeah, me too. I mean, it's it's so funny that like even, you know, when we're on the road, we're driving together, and we'll just be in the car just like goofing off and talking and having a great time for hours. And and sometimes we'll be like, oh shoot, are we going to run out of stuff to say? And then you know, we have to go podcast for an hour tonight in front of an audience, and we'll we'll still find more stuff because we just. Are so good at playing off each other, and we have a very similar senses of humor, but our points of view and um, our points of view are very different. And like our where we come at certain things that are so different that it's like we'll just always have different angles and things to to get into, which is really fun.
0: And and that's what makes it good for the audience because they Absolutely. they never lose interest with the three of you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's funny because we get a lot of people that are like, "I'm a Brandy or I'm a Barbara or I'm a Tess." And it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> it's always pretty funny. Like the 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 Tess has always come up and talk to her, talk to her after shows the most. And they're always like, "You're my spirit animal." And I'm like,
0: the Brandys would never tell me they're my spirit animal.
1: <laughs> it would never happen.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I I know all three of you girls. I, I and mm-hmm. I've had that pleasure for quite some time yeah absolutely uh so let me ask you this Mm -hmm. what's hard for you what's hard for me yeah nothing comes Um, easy for me what what's hard for you
1: (laughs) what's hard for me um I have a really hard time uh genuinely putting myself first I think sometimes like I um I'll do anything for somebody else and I just find like a a bottomless well of energy to support somebody else but giving myself the same um uh grace and patience sometimes is very is very difficult for me is that right? Um, it absolutely is this pandemic has been um an interesting lesson in that because I uh because we weren't doing comedy at all during it I wasn't touring at all because I wanted to you know stay safe and sure. Not- hurt anybody but um I took um I took a uh a couple of community college classes over the the summer because I thought it or over in the spring because I was like oh maybe I'll like try to take a couple art classes I took a guitar class like I always liked doing art and I played French horn when I was a kid but I've always wanted to learn guitar and maybe if I have a teacher it would like help me you know actually get over the creative hump of you know learning chords and things like that and um of course I'll tell you what the art like uh i am not good at not um not personalizing failure is too strong of a word uh because i know it's not failure because that's just how you get better at things is by being bad at them and, and getting better and better and better I, and better I, I really ought to know i'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you yeah yeah <laughs> totally
0: been there and done that hmm
1: <laughs> I mean, I have too. That's how you get good at comedy. I love stand-up because it is like the art of learning to fail gracefully. It is. you know. I mean, it, it really is. Because even even when you're having a great set and every joke is hitting, the joke that hits the least is the joke that to me at this point in my career is the most interesting part of the set. Because it's like, ooh, that's the moment that I failed a little bit. And it doesn't, for whatever reason, comedy doesn't bother me as much. But with other things, it's been very difficult to kind of like, Um, get past this perfectionist in my brain with and um, I really had some uh, a lot of mental blocks just like turning in homework and stuff because it's not perfect I was like it's okay that it's not perfect this is just a class you're not working towards a major you took this for fun let yourself just have fun dummy
0: (laughs) well you're a perfectionist
1: I I am I absolutely am and uh, it's Dealing with that has has been uh, and it, it it has not reared its head really since I was in high school or really, and um, it's it's been surprising to to realize how how latent it still was underneath the things.
0: <laughs> that's that's good that you and and you're like that with everything, aren't you?
1: I pretty much am yeah for the most part I mean I I try to the big difference is like I, I hold myself to a high standard but the thing that I really need to work on is to not um not beat myself up, off if I can't get there you know and that that is where is the thing that's hard for me sometimes do you, do you feel like you have that
0: little lady on your shoulder
1: <laughs> I I absolutely can have. I mean, she's a real I'm not a fan of uh of her or the things she has to say sometimes. You
0: know constantly. what I'm saying, right? Oh uh, yeah, I
1: know exactly what you're saying.
0: <laughs> I took acting I, classes and they kept telling me to knock that little man off.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like I would love to. If you could just give them a, another apartment or something, please. <laughs> and when
0: you do that, you're gonna mm-hmm. see that you're gonna improve hundred percent.
1: 100 yeah absolutely and and it's interesting because it's like i've never really had that with stand-up as much but it uh i did not realize it was such a latent thing that was still still with me yeah
0: Yeah. it is it's with every it's with all of us and it's Mm -hmm. really hard to knock that little lady off your shoulder the little man off mine Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely but it can be done
1: yeah (laughs) yeah it totally can and i think that has been like the that I think I mean that's that's a that's the the hardest thing you know I think that will be the challenge of my life is really learning to just um, give myself some patience and grace with that kind of stuff and not being not beating myself up over things quite as much as I do because I would never do that to somebody else I would never let anybody else talk to me the way that my brain talks to me well but
0: um, that's that's when I I had an acting coach that literally grabbed a hold of me out here and shook me really yeah ooh. Ooh. And he realized what I was doing and then he explained it to me. And after that, I got, i started to improve mm. and got somewhat better at it. And of course I yeah. wouldn't do that to you, but
1: yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, you are right. I mean, it is, it is something that I, I am like genuinely working on. Like that is a, it's yeah.
0: We'll be back <laughs> in just a moment. Now, Mm-hmm. Are you is it was school hard for you?
1: Um, not really. I was a I was a very good student, but I also really um, uh, I, I never got a, I never got anything less than an A until seventh grade. and then I was in um, uh, algebra in seventh grade and i for whatever reason so i have i have a thing called um aphantasia where my memory doesn't work visually at all like i have no visual memory it basically means like your your mind's eye is blind wow yeah it's 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 a kind of a rare thing that i didn't learn about until a few years ago um but uh it's basically like uh like if, if i say hey picture a sunset uh, you, you you might be able to just like close your eyes and picture a picture of a sunset. But for me, if I close my eyes, and i like, there, there's, it's just black basically. But what my brain goes, Oh, these are the last times you saw sunsets, but I don't relive the memories. But I say all of that to say like, it's um anything that requires like visualization to, to solve like a problem is very, very difficult for me. Uh, So I had uh a lot of issues um in algebra just because of some of the visualization of, of equations and things like that right and and um didn't understand what was you know i was like i'm doing so well in math i'm like ahead i'm in ahead by like two years right now why the heck can i get this and um, my teacher also just did not like me
0: that, for whatever reason I, she just i know the feeling it. on that yeah
1: yeah when you have a teacher that just doesn't like you it's it's it stinks it's like come on i'm just a kid man what do you want from me <laughs> um mrs thompson i remember her uh, but but yeah i just um i got a c in that class and it was the first thing i'd ever gotten that was not an a and i had a little bit of a mental breakdown about it <laughs> i remember coming home from school like the most distraught i'd ever been and my dad was like uh i we can't punish you because you were you are so upset we don't even know what to do right now (laughs) wow and um yeah i just you know i'd had like a perfect streak at that point and like in my brain i was like i'm gonna be valedictorian i'm like i was in like i'm a competitive person with a lot of stuff like that yeah and um and i but i also at that time kind of made myself like take a break and be like hey you feel crazy right now this is unsustainable and i didn't i didn't consciously really understand that quite as much but i kind of i I kind of like gave myself a little bit of slack and like I got a few B's here and there for the rest of high school. And then um, in co- I went to film school in college, which was pretty easy to ace most stuff
0: there. Where did you <laughs> go to college at?
1: Uh, Drexel University in Philadelphia.
0: Oh, OK. hmm. Yeah. Y- and good- you're from Maryland, right?
1: I am. Yeah. I'm from uh, Severna Park, Maryland, originally. Um, great town.
0: Now, is that a suburb of D.C.?
1: It is. So Severna Park is about forty-five minutes from DC, about twenty from Baltimore, and about fifteen minutes from Annapolis. So kind of a suburb right between all three of
0: those. I, I um, have traveled through that area. Oh nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's 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 really fun. And I mean it it's an interesting place though because uh, everybody has at least one person in their family that works closely with the government. Like my my aunt worked for the NSA. I have no idea what she did. Most of my friends had at least at least one parent. Some of them had two parents that worked for the government. So, like no one, it's you have this DC is such a a presence in the community, right? And you just like no one knows what their parents do. Oh,
0: I had <laughs> an aunt that worked for the Pentagon, and we oh, yeah. we really didn't know what my uncle did. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't supposed to talk about it.
1: Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. It's such a weird thing. <laughs> when you're but then when all of your parents friends are like that and you're like how come nobody knows what their parents do something's bad <laughs>
0: <laughs> you just kind of got used to it didn't you
1: i kind i did i didn't realize how weird it was until i moved away and uh, went to college in philly and then somebody was like yo that's like not how most people grow up and i was like oh okay and everyone's not like constantly thinking about what <laughs> what their parents are doing as spies okay cool great <laughs>
0: Yeah, we always thought he was a CIA agent, but nobody knows.
1: Yeah, you exactly. Know. And you'll never know. That's the weird part of it. <laughs> they don't
0: tell. Uh, yeah. Was college hard for you?
1: Um, not as much. I mean, I, I went to film school, so it was pretty pretty easy uh, as far as getting good grades. Like, the the challenges, I think, were, you know... Like life wise, like living on your own for the first time. And I mean, I went to college. uh, So I graduated high school in 2002. So my senior year is when 9 9 11 happened. So I went to college uh, right after 9 11, which was like, you know, a lot to just be processing and then going and then living away from home for the first time in like an actual city, which I'd never lived in before. So, you know, I, I had like a lot of like anxiety and depression around around just just in general a lot of stuff and that like my mental health i think was the hardest part about college for me like classes wise no problem but just i definitely looking back i was like oh you were like clinically depressed i pushed through it um and i've been i've been on on wellbutrin i've been medicated for probably three or four years now um but during that time period for sure i was i i had I a really really bad depression um and then I
0: would have never thought that.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I'm very prone to depression. Um, I, I'm very high functioning. Um, just because I just don't, uh, I I'm stubborn and there's no alternative, but I am usually white knuckling through, I mean, not anymore cause I've been medicated for a few years, but you know, <laughs> often I would be kind of just like, Oh, we just got to get through this. And then we got to go home. (laughs) We got to just go to sleep as long as possible.
0: (laughs) Um, Was uh, moving out here hard for you? Because it's so far away.
1: I, you know, what's funny. I like always, I always wanted to live in LA. I think I remember very specifically in fifth grade. um, I was like, I loved my elementary school art teacher. She was Mrs. Brand. She was the best. I had her for all five grades and was, she was just like a second mom to me. I'd hang out with her after school till my mom come pick me up. And um, I remember I like helped, I helped paint the backdrop for some, something all the teachers were doing. They were like singing at like some, some school thing. Right. School event. Yeah. And all the teachers were singing, they were all singing like California Dreaming together. And I got to, I was like, sitting in the in the um in the art room while they were practicing and i remember just being like i'm going to live in california someday this is the coolest thing ever uh <laughs> i don't know that moment i was just like i'm going to live in california because of this um and you know i i during college um drexel has a a 6 month internship period built into its 4 years where you go and you um you intern somewhere so i moved out to la for that 6 months during my junior year because i i was like well if i don't if i hate it then i have to come back and graduate after six months you know it's no, you know at the yeah knowing that there was going to be like a safety net of like i have to i regardless i can do anything for six months and then go home that like really made that first initial um leap out here it was scary because it was a whole new city and i mean la is very different from east coast cities oh yeah um and also at that point i mean it was two thousand. Five, I think 2004 2005 when I moved out here during that six months so that was pre-GPS it was you know Thomas guides it was getting, being lost constantly yes um, I, I was that, out
0: here at the time and I do know you had to yes. get a map out and
1: yeah, getting around was not that was extremely hard. Is learning learning LA that way?
0: <laughs> yeah, because the city's not laid out in a grid system or anything. It's just
1: no, like, it's confounding.
0: <laughs> it's like spaghetti, you know. It runs just, just every which way. Uh, yeah, wh- which college did you go out go to out here?
1: Uh, I was still part of Drexel, but so the way that Drexel works is um, their semesters are. 10 I think 10 weeks instead of 12 weeks and then so you only get your first summer off and then you go to school the other two summers to make up for that um that six months that you're just interning basically oh okay so so it was just me I was just working out here um and I worked for um uh anonymous content which was um is the company that basically I just looked on the back of all my favorite movies and were like, what are the production companies that made these? And I'll figure it out. And I would just cold call them and be like, hey, I want to learn internship. Um, and I ended up interning for Anonymous Content, which did Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind for two days a week. And then for um, uh, Ghost House Pictures, which was Sam Raimi's company that did um, his horror movies. Uh, like he, the evil deads and things like that for the, for another two days a week. So I read scripts for ghost house pictures. And then I worked in like production and like, um, production accounting, uh, at, uh, at anonymous content for six
0: months, which was really, really fun. You really saw the different side of the business.
1: Yeah. And, and the last, um, I also, uh, the UCB, uh, had upright citizens brigade had just moved to LA and i took um an improv one on one class too which terrified me i never i never saw myself as a performer i never really i i only wanted to like work in comedy in some capacity but are, i didn't really know are you how serious about that yeah no dead serious i i did marching band i was not interested in any plays any musicals i you know i was not i wouldn't say i was shy but i was like not i don't act out around people very like you know I wasn't a class clown by any means what well, was um, was
0: improv hard for you
1: improv was very hard uh it was <laughs> improv was extremely hard uh it, it was the challenge of it was I don't know if I in, I ever enjoyed it or not um which is why I think I like stand-up so much uh, but it just it, it was it was just so stressful um and I the warm-ups made me feel so stupid Uh, and I, and I know this goes completely against how improv is supposed to work, but like, just, I would always be like, just give me a beat and I'll find an even funnier thing to say. Um, and and why, why, why would, why are we wasting our time saying things that aren't the funniest thing? Um, which is completely not how improv works at all. (laughs) I,
0: have I know I've done improv. I've done several, Mm -hmm. several classes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's all about who's in your classes too. I had, um, my, that class was crazy because, uh. Jerry O'Connell was in it, and I was like, "What? <laughs> this is what?" Yeah, Jerry O'Connell from um Sliders and Scream Two and Lost Boys was was in my improv class, just trying it out, and that was just insane. Just to see a um like an actor just doing, I was like, "Why are you here? Oh, you're like a real person." Okay, weird. Was he um, very good at it? He was very funny. He just had he had like the perform the confidence of performing, um. And he was very open to like learning a lot too, which was very cool. Uh, I, um, yeah, he, he was he was he was like an extremely nice person, um, and was very fun to get to do some scenes with
0: him and stuff. I'm just surprised that you'd be afraid of improv. <laughs> I mean,
1: really, I don't think I would be anymore. It's just at that time I'd never really done any performing at all. Um, I I just hadn't. I don't know what compelled me to do it. You know, I, I never even I really wasn't even that interested in stand-up until um I moved to LA because I would I'd come out here to see like um I'd go to the UCB and I'd see people like Paul F. Tompkins and Maria Bamford and and like that like more like the quote unquote alty comics and I'd be like, Oh, stand-up's cool. Okay. Yeah, it like, is. Yeah. And it but growing up, there were so many stand-ups just on TV that were just so like broy that I was like, ugh, no, not not for me. And uh, it wasn't until I started seeing those kind of like more like indie comics that I was like, oh, oh, I want to do this, this I want to do. And, but I just didn't really know how to get into stand-up. And then I took that improv class and was like, okay, improv's not quite it. And then I had to go back to college to finish up, uh, to graduate. And then I moved back out pretty much right after I graduated college and then i took improv 201 and was like oh god i don't like this i really don't like this uh, <laughs> but at the same time uh, the improv olympic had a stand up workshop and i was like okay i'm going to try that cuz i don't i don't know how else to let me just see if i like it or not and um i just i i like, i i liked it pretty quickly and was like okay this is like challenging but also I feel like I have more control than I do with improv and I think I could actually be very good at this. And you,
0: you were the number one girl in the class. <laughs> oh, <No>, kind of. <laughs> a little a little bit.
1: It was me and my friend Vanessa who I met in that class and um Vanessa Ramos who did did stand up for a while afterwards but her her big claim to fame she um she she's a roast writer that worked all of the um the comedy central roasts and then she's written on a ton of tv shows. She did punch up on Coco. Like she's a writer now. Yeah. Um so I mean she kind of went more in that direction, but um you know, I'm a
0: I'm a performer. I'm still a performer. You, but she's a uh, yeah. You will always be a performer, Brandy.
1: Absolutely. Now that I now that now once you are one, you're never not one. You're never
0: not one. Listen, it's been wonderful talking to you and I can't thank you enough.
1: Oh, thank you, Joe. It's been a pleasure talking to you too. And
0: hang on just a minute. And thank you folks for listening in and good night.